0: How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast was created to highlight the dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community uh, to try and provide a platform for them to tell their story of how they got into fishing and where it's brought them to today. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, You can watch it on YouTube at the Ikebra Outdoors channel. Uh, If you're not already, you can watch over there, or you can access the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor app, the Angler app, uh, and many more different podcast applications. Appreciate you guys listening, and enjoy the episode. So in today's podcast, we have on Ben Schultes, who is a very good friend of mine, a guy I've known for a long time. Uh, We actually met at a John B. meetup that was very local to us. And we figured, you know, why not? Let's go to it. And uh, that's where we actually met out in the parking lot out there and just kind of got to chatting and realized we're all local. And uh, that's kind of where it it took off there. Um, So today I'm going to have him on talk about trout fishing. Um, Also, just a few different things, because he fishes for so many different species. So I'm intrigued to to talk to him about, you know, what interests Mm -hmm. him on that multi-species game you know, his calendar of events, I guess you should say, for what species he's going to go after at certain times of the year. He's also a college bass angler for SUNY ESF, uh, where a few of my friends also fish. Uh, so I'm intrigued to talk to him about a bunch of different things, but I'd love to learn more about trout fishing. Um, after talking to Lock Holmes about trout uh, in New York and the different steelhead um, that, you know, people go after in the New York area, um, you know, Ben is one of one of the main guys I know around the area who is always on them. So um cannot wait to talk to him about that. Hope you guys enjoy today's episode, and let's get to it. All right, we are recording. Ben, what is going on, my guy? How's it going? It's going well. It seems you're doing a lot better than I am right now.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting on Soda's Bay right now. It's a beautiful sunny day where I am.
0: (laughs) You on him or what?
1: So I'm struggling today. I've only got three in the boat, and I don't know, it's high sun, the fish are doing some weird stuff. I've caught them on a net rig, a jig, and a jerkbait so far, so I don't know really what's going on.
0: Is there any chop at all, or is it dead, dead calm?
1: It was glass this morning when I first got out here, now there's a north wind picked up a little bit, so there's a slight mm. chop.
0: Find that windy banks, man. Go check that jerkbait around
1: yeah I know I just moved to a new spot. I'm gonna go for perch, probably try to get a little dinner and then go for bass a little bit later.
0: You're nuts, you're nuts, man. <laughs> That's one of the things I'm gonna talk about uh, in this podcast before we get into that, you know, tell everybody you know listening watching you know how'd you get into fishing and who's kind of the person that kind of ignited that passion in you?
1: So I've been like listening to your podcast all along and I've been dying to like explain this part of my story, but I've really been fishing since I was like three years old. Um, I grew up on Lake Ontario. My grandpa um, was a huge smallmouth fisherman. Okay. And I was probably four or five or six. Me and my grandpa, he would take me out with Zebco fishing reels and anything. It didn't matter, like any bait, literally just worms. And we would go out on Lake Ontario and just absolutely hammer smallmouth all day long. I have pictures of me in diapers with like four pounds smallmouth in my hand. So I got to <laughs> give it to my grandpa, man. He, he got me into it from a really young age and I've just always been hooked ever since. So always special to go out with my grandpa even today, just cause he's always been kind of just like my mentor through fishing. Like every time I catch some, a big fish, I call him up and he's always excited to hear it. And so it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's that's your roots, man. It's it's where it started. So it's always nice to go back to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's pretty sweet, and, and you know, and one thing that I want to bring up is for people that follow you who or who don't follow you, your page is loaded with trout. So starting off, you know, with your grandfather being a smallmouth guy, how did you get into the trout trout deal?
1: So that actually, I got to give credit to. Jeff Mertiza. He is a guide on the Oswego River, and i got to give credit to my next-door neighbor. My next-door neighbor, I was probably seven or eight, he fished the stream. I have a stream that runs right behind my house. Probably everyone who follows me knows that. And it's always loaded with trout. (laughs) And I'm just lucky to have it. But when I was young, I went back there, and no joke, I had no idea, but I saw a fish in the river. It was actually a salmon that was swimming up the creek. And I looked at it and I literally ran back to my dad and I said, there's a, there's a whale in the creek. Like, like
0: we had no idea.
1: My parents, my parents had no idea that there was even salmon that would come up that creek. And so I went, I ran back to them. They couldn't believe it. I mean, there was loads of salmon coming up the backyard and you can literally hear the salmon swimming up from my like patio. That's so, nice. You know, when I got a little older, I was probably nine years old. Um, my neighbor, John Koska, he, he actually used to be the weather, a weatherman for your news now, but he, he was always fishing back there and I went up to him one day and I, I always tried, but I never could catch anything. Like I could never catch any trout whatsoever. And so I went back there with him one day and he gave me some fresh, like freshly tied egg sacks. He set me up with the float. He set me up with the split shot and the the leader. And I caught my first trout with him. And then ever since then, I learned from Jeff Martiza, the other guy, I learned from him kind of more of like where to drift, the seams, Um, what he got me hooked up with my first noodle rod, which changed the game. I was using a Celio Okuma six foot ultralight for trout getting smoked every time I went back there. And then I got hooked up with the noodle rod and I could actually land them. So Yeah, the trout fishing took me a while, though. That took me like two or three years before I really had a good understanding on the leaders that you got to use. I was using braid, which is definitely (laughs) not good. I mean, the fish can see it, but I would still catch fish, which was surprising. So
0: That's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. So now,
0: now you are a captain. You have your captain's license. So what's the deal there?
1: Yeah, so... I was a freshman in college. Sorry if there's like loud noises in the background. There's construction. You're good, dude. I was a captain um, since freshman year of college. So I was in college and it, it kind of fell through, but there was this guy, his name was Paul and I used to fish with him. I met him. I used to pump gas for Arnie's Marina and we met up through the gas dock. We started fishing together. He bought a boat. And I said to him one day, I said, you know what, man? Let's get our captain's license and start running charters. I'm done with this gas boy job. I want to make money and fish. So we both went. And over winter break, it took eight weeks. Um, I was freshman in college, going to school five days a week, grinding like absolute hell. And then on the weekends for nine hours, ten hours a day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was studying for this captain's exam, which was not easy at all. And I ended up passing it and getting it, but it was very expensive, and the guy ended up selling his boat, and and I never saw him again after we got our license, so it kind of left me in the dust. Like, we never were able to run our business or anything, which was kind of tough for me. But um, so, I really haven't had much business with my captain's license yet just because I'm so busy with school. It's hard to like book trips. And it's, I had some trips booked this spring. And of course, with coronavirus, all that got shut down.
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate. So. Yeah. I, I've noticed, you know, obviously I keep up with social media. And obviously, I explained to people in the introduction how we met at like a John B. meetup that was local to us. And that's kind of how it, it started from there. And uh, I was, yeah, you know, keeping up with your social media, you not only you, you're in the streams all the time, but you're also out on Lake Ontario catching these giant fish. You know, I think the one that resonates with me the most is when you jumped in Lake Ontario with one of I think it was a salmon that you had caught.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the trolling game is definitely one of my favorite types of fishing. I I just think it, it can be extremely boring at times when you're not on the fish. <laughs> But when you're um, – I mean, nothing fights as hard. In, like, I'm always a big fish guy. I've always loved big fish. I mean, I love bass. I love, I love, you know, perch fishing. I love anything, but I really like to hold big fish. So, going out in Lake Ontario, like, literally right in my backyard, I literally can launch at bakery Creek, go out there, and catch 30-pound salmon is, like – it was unreal to me. And I started at a young age. Like, I was, like, six when – I think I caught my first stand with my neighbor, and ever since then I was hooked. I told my dad we opened bow, we need to get downriggers on that thing. So we, I bought them. I worked for them, and I bought two downriggers. And the first time me and my dad went out, we caught nothing. The second time we caught, we didn't catch anything for a long time. And then we started to understand what was going on. And then it was just cool to like learn it, but it took a long time to learn the trolling game too.
0: Yeah, it's gotta be a good feeling when thing you know when you fight for that first bite and then things finally click and then you just start getting on them more and more and it just becomes not wouldn't say easier, but it just makes more sense so it's you can be more efficient while you're out there.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because like I see a lot of the a lot of kids that I fly fish with, um especially from the Trailbump Club at at my school. They strictly fly fish. They don't. They don't want to spin fish. They're against any sort of trolling. Trolling's a no go. And people don't realize the difficulty, the the complexity of trolling is out of control. I mean, there's so yeah. many factors that go into trolling that don't go into fly fishing that people don't understand. It's. I mean, you you literally can be on fish one day and not touch fish for a week, like not like it's insane.
0: Hmm. Is it more of a, you know, like obviously you have certain lures that you use and patterns just kind of like in bass fishing but is it more of an area deal for trolling or is it a pattern deal
1: both so okay. i can kind of go through this feel. um if you're fishing for brown trout early season brown like right now we're all struggling to catch brown trout you gotta gotta be in the areas where there's green pea green water. You gotta find that 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 water color. Right now strong south wind for a few days. So the water the water along the shoreline right now is crystal clear. Okay. And those fish, I was catching fish in six to ten feet of water the other day. That pea green water moved out a little bit. I was trolling in that six to ten feet of water they're out in 30 feet of water now because that they follow that mud line so with browns it's all about the mud line and that green water but with salmon it's more about I guess with browns during the summer it's about temperature but with salmon during the summer it's all about finding the perfect water degree temperature and, and also colors so you know if you're fishing really deep you're not going to use certain colors if you're fishing high steelhead like the color orange who who knows why, you use orange spoons real high on the surface for a steelhead. Interesting. You know, there's so many different factors that go into it. It's insane.
0: That, that just seems like a whole different world to me. That I just oh yeah blows my and mind. Then,
1: and then you get into meat rigs. There's some guys swear that meat rigs catch the biggest salmon every year and win the LOC derbies every year on meat rigs. And so you know, the we're talking. What is
0: it? What is a meat rig?
1: So, meat rig is basically a long, it's a paddle like a, like a, um, atomic, you know what atomic trolling paddle is? Yeah,
0: I've seen them at Field Stream and stuff before.
1: Yeah, they're, they're like, so it's that, and then behind it, it's called Twinkies. They're little, um, shiny looking flies. There's about eight of them, six to eight of them in a row. And then you got a little head with that you put a, um, a lot, not a lot, but a, um, strip of, Either you can get catch your own allies and do it, or herring strip. Okay, you hook, and you hook it to the meat rig with a um, through like a toothpick.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I think I've seen that before. All right, I wasn't sure what was actually where. That's interesting. And they swear that those catch the biggest salmon.
1: I mean, I've been on a lot of boats. I first made it for over probably 15 different boats, and I've learned so many different things just from getting on. You know, each boat, you learn something different. And I know that the secret to winning tournaments in the summer is meat rigs. They catch the biggest and most fish. And some guys have starting to catch on to it. Um, But I don't know. It's kind of a new game. Now, why do you
0: why do you think that is? Is it is it a scent deal? Is it a a, a, a attraction deal. or
1: it could be a scent deal? Um, I'm not really sure. Trolling is one of those things that it's so weird. Like you can have crazy days out there with spoons. You can have crazy days out there with meat rigs. It really doesn't matter. There's some days where color and spoons don't matter. The fish are there. They're going to eat. Okay. There's some days where I'll be fishing, I mean, no joke, I'll be fishing side by side someone, and he'll come in with a, a limit 12 of salmon, and I'll come in with one salmon, and we were fishing the same area the whole day. I didn't leave, lose sight of his boat the entire day, fishing the same water. But because he was using meat rigs, and he was using something else, you know, the fish wanted that.
0: It's very interesting. So yeah, if, you knows, if you had to choose, if you had Oh, yeah, I mean, who knows a lot of reasons why I fish, way <laughs> is that's why fishing is so much fun to us, because we'll never know everything, because it always, exactly. it's always changing, right? So it's, yeah. it's, it's the fun of it. But if you had to choose between trolling, or, you know, say, you fly, center pin, you know, what's your favorite?
1: This is, like, such a tough question for me, because, <laughs> like, I think about it all the time, and I post it on my, like, Instagram stories, like, which do you prefer like this or that yeah i guess for me it would have to be center pin fishing just because of the fact that there's nothing better than watching your float go under and setting the hook and having a giant trout or salmon on the other on the other end it's just like so personal and with trolling you get that you know you get that personal feeling but you don't you don't really feel the strike the rod pops up and you i mean you see the strike and you grab it yeah. but we're seeing that flow go under and the fish still has no idea what's going on and then you set that hook and it's just like your rod is just shaking uncontrollably because of the head shakes like you cannot beat that especially in the salmon river if you get on some hot steelhead and you like have a good day like those those fresh fish when they first come in the river in like october it's insane i can't even describe it to anybody unless you do it
0: interesting yeah i'm gonna have to i still gotta connect with you and get on one i've still never caught one in my entire life so it's gonna be oh yeah actually but yeah it's it's interesting so so let me ask you because i see you go after pretty much any species that lives in new york state you know, what is your calendar of events starting, like, from January until the next December? You know, what okay. is your calendar? How you usually kind of go about targeting and targeting different species?
1: So, January, I'll, I'm still steelhead fishing. Um, ice fishing a little bit this year. I, I did not ice fish as much this year as I would like to. But, I mean, the ice wasn't that good for that long. I mean, you could probably agree no. with me. But um, so I, I like to s- steelhead fish in January. Like, that's pretty much what I'm doing. And then, I guess, February, still steelhead fishing. March, steelhead fishing. <laughs> April, March, I guess we were getting some pretty good perch out of the boat um, this year. April, yeah, March and April are definitely my brown trout trolling times. I love to start trolling for brown trout mid-March, once that ice is gone, I'm out in my boat, and I'm trolling for browns, because that's those first couple trolls along Lake Ontario, like, you will have 30 to 40 fish days, like, nothing. I mean, I, I boated 30 fish in two hours this year, and, I mean, it wasn't even fun after a while. Like, that's definitely the hottest time to catch brown trout is March, April. And then, May, I'm starting to get more into steelhead offshore you can you can hammer some steelhead. i haven't done it too much but this year i'm going to do it a lot more um you can hammer steelhead with bright flatline and bright spoons orange spoons on the top of the water out in lake ontario it's insane huh. and then um may is bass too like even april like i started bass fishing at the end of march i had a, a day where i caught 30 bass at the end of march and like nothing on jerk baits. And there's just so like I don't know, man. Because like one day I'm bass fishing, one day I'm steelhead fishing, one day I'm perch fishing. And when I get bored with one, I just move to the next. So and then summer, summertime, obviously I'm bass fishing like everyone, trolling. Um, I'll even do some night stuff for pike, but that's rare. I've I've really I really or bullhead too. I'll do a little bit at night. And then in the fall, September, end of August to september i'm hitting the the salmon they come in hot in the salmon river and that is a blast when you when you hook a fresh silver king at the end of august on the swing on the fly rod it is like i can't even describe it to anyone it's just one of those things it's madness (laughs) october is steelhead like that's my favorite time of the year to catch steelhead because They come in from the lake, and you catch your biggest steelhead in October because they come in with the salmon. Okay. The biggest biggest steelhead compete with the salmon, and the little steelhead can't chill with the big guys, but the big steelhead can. So you'll hook into a 25-pound king. You hook into, you know, I'll have 20 fish days on kings, and then next thing you know, you see this thing jumping, and it's a 15-pound steelhead. And it's like, holy cow! Like, where did that thing come from? So that's always fun. And then, let's see. I'm. I think I'm on October. November is this. The salmon are pretty much gone in November. Cohoes will come through end of October, early November. Sometimes you'll have insane coho days. And then December, you're pretty much. I'm pretty much just fishing steelhead at that point.
0: Huh left that's that's crazy and then you're just sneaking in bass now and then when you're not fishing for dude I,
1: I will admit my bat like i i i can put the hammer down on bass when i want to but my early season bass game like right now is kind of weak i'm i'm struggling out here <laughs> i see you guys pulling in 25 pounds on caiga and I'm, I'm mad jealous
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you right now dude i'm not very good early season either it's it's I wouldn't even say I'm good in really any season. I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. I mean, unless you're putting up giant bags consistently every month out of the year, you really can't say you're good in certain seasons. You're just kind of like, you're just better at certain, you know, seasons and tactics and certain scenarios. That's all it really comes down to. Everybody's got their niche. That's all it is.
1: Yeah, I should have added to smallmouth fishing in – beginning of august um middle of july in that area drop shotting rock piles dude and 30 feet of water i love that is so much fun for a small oh
0: dude i bet Do is- you ever run into any while you're trolling
1: um once in on a while my buddy caught six the other day like all four pounds and above trolling for browns huh. but i haven't i haven't touched one this year except for bass fishing in the bay Huh.
0: Yeah, I'm just like I'm thinking like you're trolling like spoons or something for instance. I feel like you got to run into run into them every now and then. You know.
1: Yeah, you do once in a while, but it's very it's pretty rare, man. I will say it's tough to catch smallmouth trolling. I don't know if the stick baits if they like it on the bottom or what, but
0: interesting. You ever thought about going out for, you know, for trolling for bass or something like that?
1: i've done it before um i've actually hooked up spoons on my downriggers and i've actually believe it or not this is going to sound really weird i've had some insane days trolling for perch and <laughs> yes and literally you can use little you know you can literally use um anything like crankbait stuff like that you go through through a school of perch, dude. I'm not kidding you. I've I've hammered them like with my grand. One one time, me and my grandma were on the boat, we got a limit of perch, trolling for them. No joke. Like slow that's trolling, weird. and then every once in a while, you'd hit a bass. So yeah. that's crazy. But my grandpa actually showed me how to do it. Um, rattle little rattle traps that he has. They're from old. I have a few of them, but one time, um, my grandpa has a board in his workshop and he actually used to troll the bay for pike in the summer okay with giant spoons it like like you troll for salmon but in the bay and he used to hammer them on it i want to try that that sounds like so much fun
0: oh i bet that's nuts yeah so another thing i want to bring up too that you know everybody if they watch your social media they'll obviously see but i think one thing you're very passionate about um is editing and filming Want to talk a little bit about that,
1: yeah. So, um, well, I started working for Cortland Line, I think it was, yeah, two years ago or a year and a half ago, about, and it kind of introduced me into the world of editing, filming, stuff like that. I always loved watching Captain Jack productions. Um, obviously, I love YouTube, like John B., I'm more into like the cinematic stuff, like, I guess like fly fishing magazine stuff like that um but yeah so i started out with the t5i and that was a lot of fun i still have it and i still use it regularly for pictures now but the slow motion capabilities on that thing just were not that good but just for like you know filming you know like vlogging style videos it was awesome and then i kind of had a little you know i kind of had like a midlife crisis where i was just like i really want to like pursue filming as like my passion like i want to start making like if i could film every day for like a living that would be the, like the dream so i talked to my boss from from courtland and said listen man like i really enjoy filming i got final cut pro um the editing software um and i just was like you know what like do, do you have any work for me like can i start editing you know product videos can i start editing um you guys going out fishing stuff like that and get paid to do it and at first it was kind of like yeah you gotta like prove yourself first which obviously everyone has to prove themselves and
0: feel yeah. like you gotta do
1: a lot of work for free before you start actually um you know making a profit off it and i got lucky i had a really good buddy named rich nicoletti who you know, basically he was the in for me at Cortland and I developed a good relationship with them. And now I'm making some of their videos and it's pretty fun, man, going out with, you know, some of the most badass fly fishermen that there is in the industry and yeah. being able to film them. And then like, while I'm filming, I'm learning from them too, like learning their spots, learning what they use, learning about the rod designs, stuff like that. So it, it was really, it's really cool. And like, I'm excited to see where it'll take me, um, but I'm not by any means like the ex-Blackwell or anything like that. I still have a lot to learn, so.
0: Yeah, yeah I know that's one uh, podcast you really enjoy is when I had Alex on and he talked about that and a lot of that podcast, I had no idea what he was talking about because he's using all these terms in, in photography and filming that I'm just like, blew my mind and I'm sure you understood it, but. Like, it was oh, just I its learned. incredible, the shots and the, the, the creativity that that guy has.
1: Yeah, and I learned actually a great deal from that podcast. Um, just, like, the, the angle or the, the lenses that he uses for John and just even about simple stuff. Like, I just got out my GoPro Hero 2 the other day, and I'm having battery issues with it. Like, uh. so... so I, you know just simple stuff like he had that battery pack he was talking about so i was looking into one of those nice. so and i don't know just stuff like that like that was really educational for sure
0: I'm, I'm definitely glad to see people are learning from it from the different stuff more than just myself so that's pretty cool and tomorrow actually i don't know if you know who kyle Vandeveer is
1: yes yes i do he's he's cameraman really nice shots
0: yeah he's coming on the podcast tomorrow I'm excited that's to have so, him. On.
1: Yeah, so let's look out for that.
0: Yeah, he does. He pretty much follows around all of you know, does every adventure Polnick goes on. Yep. Um, yeah, so all his videos are pretty much Kyle's film. Like he follows him in his own boat when when BP goes out to tournaments and stuff. And so that's going to be pretty cool to talk to him about that and his adventure, you know, behind the scenes of it.
1: I'll tell you who sh- you should interview. Um, this mccoy he is the new filmer for scott martin
0: oh i did I, I met him at donald the classic
1: did you really that's so cool yeah yeah, yeah i was so actually
0: there was a huge line because we were across some p line and scott was there obviously talking to people and i just like everyone was like all talking to scott and everything and i just went up to billy and was just like talking to him just casually you know billy's like the co-angler um, yep. with scott and uh I was actually talking to him like, Billy, you're, you're pretty dang funny. Like, You should make your own podcast. That would be hilarious. And then uh, you are talking about that, and that's when McCoy came over and started talking to him casually. I didn't even realize he was Scott's cameraman until he had, like, he, was, he had the camera behind him, and he pulled it out. I'm like, oh, you must be Scott's cameraman. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> so there, was cool that was a cool deal. Um, he, he, Scott put out an application online, and not many people answered. He said, I'm looking for two people to film me and i applied. i believe in i'm in college and like there's no way that i could have done it at the time but i still was like you know what i'm gonna apply like whatever you i think you may have sent me it maybe i don't know and i'm pretty sure you actually sent me the application and he applied and he got the job he wasn't in college um at the time so he was able to just go down there and move down there no big deal and then one day at nine in the morning i get up and I got this number calling me and I'm literally still in bed and I answer it and he goes, Hey, it's Scott Martin. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I mean, like I, my voice is like still shaky from sleeping. I'm like, hello. Like, hi Scott. Like, how's it going? And he's like, you know, I really, I really like your work. I sent him uh, sugar in the salt or Su- sugar in the South, which is a video that I made about like um, sugar making down South, and the sugar cane fields it was pretty cool and he really liked that one so he he told me that he's like yeah i really would love to have you come down and you know work with me and then i kind of told him i'm like oh man like that would be so cool except i'm in college and i'm still trying to figure it out and then he was like well maybe you could figure out a way to take classes online and i'm like oh yeah totally totally gonna try to do that and try to figure it out And it just never ended up working out unfortunately but hopefully maybe in the future but that, no, but, Yeah, but at least you get
0: your name out there, though. That's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, so it was pretty cool just to even have that connection, but you got to apply for stuff like that.
0: Oh, dude, 100%. And that's that's a cool little industry that's becoming bigger now is as more of these you know, anglers get into the YouTube game and as they grow bigger and bigger and they have so many things on their plate, that they have a need for these things and they can afford to have these guys like yourself with them to, to go and film. So that's a pretty cool little angle that not many people I think saw coming. So it's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, no, it's cool. And you know, they're just regular guys. I mean, they, they seem like all this and that, but I mean, they, they seriously just need someone there to film them. They, they don't need anything special. They, some, some guys want to you know make all this money and stuff like that. And it's like, you're not going to make a lot of money doing it. You know i would rather make minimum wage filming scott martin and make a living that way than, you know have to work some nine to five job that's you know i don't like you know what i mean it's like yeah
0: 100 yeah it's plus the experiences you get out of it are worth it oh yeah unreal
1: this uh, coronavirus is really shutting them down down south all their boat launches are closed I couldn't even imagine if they closed our boat launches. That would be awful.
0: I don't think they would, just for the plain fact that I don't see anybody being stupid. I think the reason they closed them in Florida was because of people throwing parties out on these beaches and lakes and stuff like that. and that's just I think that's why that happened. But you don't see that in New York pretty much because it's cold. <laughs> no one right. wants to go out there and party and do that kind of thing. You know the closest we're gonna get to that is that you know that perch gathering at Cayuga. And that's probably about it. But everybody, <laughs> everybody seems to be keeping their boats. distance. Yeah. It was, oh, dude, Saturday was ridiculous. I couldn't see past the boats. It was just a wall. There's an army. It was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I never seen anything like it. But the last thing I want to bring up before we get to our the fun question segment to wrap it up um, is that you were also you're on uh, SUNY ESF's college bass fishing team. And there was was one time I wanted to bring up because you guys were, what, in fourth or fifth at the Potomac River?
1: Yeah, we were in fourth.
0: Yeah. Talk talk about that because you were on live. You were on FLW live.
1: Yeah, so so I'll just tell you the the, the story here. So we um, qualified through Cayuga. um, I think we were in 10th or 11th place. We qualified for the national championship. And we drove down to the Potomac River, pre-fished it really hard. And we were struggling while we were pre-fishing. And we did a lot of, I mean, me and my um, partner, Pat Duran, his father is so helpful when it comes to these things. He is really, he has a really good end with Bass University and the guys with Pete Luzik and Mike Canelli and stuff like that. So we, any tournament that we had, we first, we call them and, you know, ask about, you know, spots, knowledge. We, we print out a giant map of the entire lake. We put pins on it. We hang it on the wall, draw lines, what times. We had, a t- we had tide tables. Um, so we really spent a long time, but we were struggling, man. You know, during practice, we weren't catching a lot of fish. Um, but on day three of practice, there was this rock pile called Bitter's Rock. And we were like, you know what, jo- I, I, I think his name was Joe Bitters. I don't know if it was John Bitters. Do you know if it was Joe or John? Do you know who he I is? I have no idea. I think it, I always mess this up, but I think it might have been John Bitters. He won the 1989 classic on this rock pile. Okay. And ever since then, it's always been a famous community hole. But the last couple of years, it filled in. So, it wasn't good anymore. It wasn't a community hole. No one fished it. So, I was like, you know what? Let's go hit bitters rock. Let's let's just try it. First cast, I pull like a four-pounder off it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Second cast, my roommate pulls like a two-pounder. Next thing you know, we're like, you know what? Let's just leave it. Let's not beat it up. So, the next day, we're, we got, um, we're fishing, you know, day one of the national championships. And... We have probably about 11 pounds in the boat. We had other spots that had fish. None of them were big. Um, We are basically on a dock pattern. We were on um, a a log, like a flooded timber type pattern. And we're like, you know what? We We got an extra hour. Let's go hit the bitters rock. We pulled two nice fish off there. And no joke was insane. Like it was the most insane fishing I've ever done. We were running crankbaits on this rock pile. First, first couple casts, I pull a five and a half pounder off it. We <laughs> net that one. We're screaming, which we're so dumb. We're screaming, freaking out. Of course, there's boats in a creek right near it. And we're, and then we're like, crap. We got to hold this fish low. Like we can't be like, fl- like screaming. Yeah. Next fish. Next fish, a four pounder. Next fish, three pounder. Next fish, four. Pounder. So we ended up weighing in 17 pounds day one. We're sitting in fourth place. I'm shaking. We're freaking out. We can't even believe it. We're like, okay, like, I, I'm calling my mom. I'm like, mom, we might like win a boat. Like, we have no idea. Like, we're in fourth place out of like, I don't even know how many boats. We're there. I think it's 160 something. And so next day we're like, okay, well, we have a major issue because we're in a tin boat and it's like 15 mile an hour winds. And we're getting Jeez. hammered by four foot waves. And the, of course, the rock pile's like in the middle of where the waves were. So we go <laughs> out there and wake up in the morning. Next thing you know, we have a media crew that's like all over us. There, they're flying drones overhead. They're filming us. They got we got a whole nother boat that's following. They they basically had the top five filmed for the show. Yep. So we had a we had a camera boat on us the entire day. There, the camera guy was in our boat. He was on the shore. There was another another boat there. They were flying drones over us the whole day. It was insane. Like, really cool. Like, we felt like celebrities out there. Like, it was something I can't describe, the feeling of it. And But we were absolutely getting pounded by waves. Like, water in the boat. We actually put a crack in the hole of the boat.
0: Oh and my we were goodness.
1: taking on water out there. And we were just running the bilge pump constantly to stay afloat. And we still kept fishing because we wanted to win so bad and um we ended up not being able to fish bitters rock just because another boat of course was on it and then because we probably gave up the spot and then we got into an argument with that boat and then the waves were just pounding us so we had to leave that we weighed in two pounds and it just never worked out and on the way this is the kicker on the way in I pulled off my life jacket and the tournament director came up to me and goes, by the way, that's another six ounces off your weight. And I was what? like, I don't, cause while the motor's running, you got to have your life jacket on. So we uh, were just yeah. like, well, this was not the way we thought day two was going to go, but still like to sit in fourth place after day one, it was still a really cool experience.
0: Yeah. 100% that's pretty cool dude i remember watching it live and uh you pretty much had all new york state rooting for you guys the whole group that fishes around here and knows you so that was pretty awesome but uh sweet dude so basically what we're gonna do is gonna have our last little fun question segment here these two questions i like to end with but before we do you know where can people follow you on social media
1: um, so you can follow me, Captain underscore Schultes, S-C-H-U-L-T-E-S, on my Instagram. And then Follow Your Drifts. It's um, follow underscore your underscore drifts. And then Fresh Fish Media on YouTube, which that's probably going to change to Follow Your Drifts. Just because, um, I don't know, I like that slogan better. And that I've had that since I was in, I think I was 11. I have a YouTube channel with Follow Your Drifts. So.
0: <laughs> nice. Perfect, dude. Well, everything will be linked down below for people to go and uh, give you a subscription and, and follow you on social media. But uh, I don't know. Are you, you ready for these last two questions? Do, do, are you familiar with the questions that I asked?
1: Uh, somewhat, somewhat.
0: <laughs> All right, dude. So question number one. If you could invite any three people to have dinner, to sit down and pick their brain, who would they be and why? It could be anybody past or present and does not have to be fishing.
1: Um, I guess the first person, I'm trying to think, I guess the first person would probably be Albert Einstein. I know this sounds really cliche and weird, but I have a fascination. I literally love like really deep thought about like the solar system, the galaxy and I just always, like, he has, like, I, the other day I was looking at quotes online about um, Albert Einstein and just, like, the universe and, like, how people think. And that guy was brilliant. I mean, I think anyone can understand that. Uh, okay. I, guess it's this. I like Yeah, no, like, and I even made a TikTok video. I just got on TikTok <laughs> the other day. And um, I even made a TikTok video about him the other day. And I put a quote on my TikTok and it got a bunch of views. So it was kind of funny. There you uh, go. I guess the second guy would probably be. I'm trying to think here. These questions are always so tough. To mm-hmm. think about. Um... Yeah, like a I child. Know, I've always wanted to. I guess I've always wanted to talk to like Bob Marley. Like, is this, if this sounds really weird, but okay. Um. <laughs> he was also like one of those deep thinkers and like his view on life. Like I've always thought that, you know, everyone works a nine to five job and you come home and, you know, no one likes their job and this and that. And he, he like, through his like music and stuff like that, he was always like, you know, follow your dreams, you know, don't let, you know, negative energy get you down. And that's like really been important in my life, especially. Um, I've always like listened to his music and stuff like that just for, just to learn, like, so many people are out there, like, preaching to young kids, you have to go to college, you have to do this, you have to, you know, follow a career that's not going to, you know, make you happy in life. And I, that's why I pursue filming. Like, even if it doesn't work out, I still love doing it. I'm going to do it forever. If something comes of it, it comes of it. And then the third person that I would interview would be Gary V. Because Gary V. is something, someone that I've always followed. Um, I know a lot of fishermen have followed him. He is so smart when it comes to like even that ideology of thinking. He always has the correct way to put it that makes sense to me. And I don't know. I I literally like got on his texting app two or three times, like DM'd him. Like I have like 10 DMs to him. He's never answered me or anything like that. <laughs> Gary V is listening to this. I would love to sit down and just have a conversation with Gary V. I
0: like it. I, th- I think Gary V's been mentioned probably. Four or five times. He's one of the more popular ones for that question.
1: I know X Blackwell. I'm pretty sure he mentioned him, too. I think so. But even his marketing, like, even his marketing ideology, like, he's so smart when it comes to, you know, putting yourself out there on Facebook or Instagram, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, 100%. He knows the
1: algorithms. He knows the algorithms so well. He knows how to, you know, get your content exposure. So it's really interesting to me study that kind of stuff you know what gets you views on youtube what gets your instagram page out there stuff like that it can really change your life
0: yeah no 100 that's a that's a power three right there gary v marley and einstein it's a, it's a power trio yeah i
1: mean <laughs> marley's kind of like one of those things it's just like i don't know like they all have gary v bob marley and um who, who did i say the first guy was or um einstein Einstein those three people have like the deepest thoughts about life out of anyone that I know like out of any famous person I know so like I just like that kind of stuff
0: okay I like it I like it so last question we're gonna wrap up the podcast right here and it's plain and simple just your favorite fishing memory
1: my favorite fishing memory this is super simple for me um I caught a 180-pound tarpon at 1 in the morning in Isla Morata, Florida, on a giant blue crab. We went out at 1 in the morning. Um, I actually, it's a super interesting story. I met the guy fishing for a steelhead one day, um, and he basically told me, I said, Hey, man, like, I met him. We are both crushing fish. We probably caught 50 steelheads. And he said, Hey, man, I'm actually a guy down in Florida. I come up for two months just to steelhead fish on of my off season." And I said, no way. Like, seriously? I'm like, he had an Instagram page called Real Attack Charters, John Costanzo. And I was like, no way. So I followed him and he said, yeah, dude, if you ever want to come down and film with me and go tarpon fishing, you know, hit me up. And of course, I'm like, when am I ever going to be in the Keys to do it with this guy? Yeah. And I called my grandma and my grandma called me the next couple of weeks and said, hey, do you want to like come down to Florida? We'll I got a little trip planned. You can come down. I'll fly you down. And uh, me and your grandpa really want to go to the Keys. I was like, seriously? So I called this guy up. He was, uh, we set it up like months in advance. And we went out at one in the morning. I mean, we were driving through the Everglades, like, or not, I guess the mangroves, um, not the Everglades, but we were driving through the mangroves at one in the morning in the pitch black darkness, dude. Like, some of the channels we were, going through were two foot deep and only as wide as the boat at in the pitch black darkness he memorized the roots with a flashlight Jeez, so that was an adrenaline it was an adrenaline rush just to get there i thought i'm sitting in the front of the boat like we're gonna hit the shore or something and then we get yeah. there and it took me over an hour to get it in it was just unreal
0: dude that's legit <laughs> that's crazy yeah, That i must really- have been a blast
1: oh my gosh i mean We were using floats with Big Crab, and you just chuck it out um, near these bridge pilings. And, I mean, it's not even like – it's like your car just got hooked – or, I mean, your rod just got hooked up to a semi-truck, and someone just started driving at 60 miles an hour. That's the only way I can describe it. And they jump. They call them the salt – I guess I like them so much because they call them the saltwater steelhead. But they jump. They jump like I can't even – it was insane. That's
0: that's absurd, dude.
1: <laughs> well,
0: congrats. That's a pretty sweet story. That's one species I've always wanted to go after, but never been able to land. I've hooked up into a couple, but always either broken off or they completely – I had one completely strip me at, at Boca Grande, which was, you know, obviously was not prepared tackle-wise. So it's yeah, it's pretty wild. So
1: Yeah, right, I got man. lucky. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, you had the right guy to put you on him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just talking to people, like, and meeting people, you can get so many connections out of it. Like, if I would have never went up to this guy and said, "Hey, you know, my name is Ben, whatever," he, I wouldn't have been able to have that experience. So,
0: yeah, one hundred percent. That's yeah. just your personality—a very friendly person. So it just seems to work out that way. But uh, all right, man, I will let you go off and continue fishing Jump and carry skate. on today. I appreciate yeah, you taking the time. I'm
1: gonna go hit some perch up.
0: <laughs> there you go, dude. Get some, get some dinner. But uh, I appreciate you, you hopping on the podcast, and uh, yeah, we'll talk yeah, to man, you soon. Let's we'll get out in the water. I'm glad we we're
1: able
0: to do it. One hundred percent, dude. Hopefully, this whole thing blows over. We can get out and go fishing.
1: I know. I, I want to fish with you guys. It's just I'm kind of isolating myself to fishing by myself right now, and or my girlfriend. I mean, everyone wants to go out, and I just I don't know, man. I'm nervous about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, when it all blows over, we'll uh, we'll have to link up, dude. For sure. All right, man, you take care.
1: You too. See ya. Yeah.
0: So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode we just did with Ben. Uh, we've been talking about doing that for a long time. Uh, he dropped some knowledge on trout fishing and uh, uh, trout along with salmon uh, and different forms of fishing for them. Fly, center pin, trolling. Um, it's pretty incredible how many different variables go into each subset of fishing for steelhead, for salmon, you know, all the above. It's, it's something that I'm very, very naive to um, where I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to that kind of stuff. At some point, Ben and I are going to link up. He's going to show me how to do that. Maybe get me on my first steelhead. Um, but for the meantime, I'm going to stick to my strengths and that's bass fishing, <laughs> but it's awesome to see, how Ben fishes for so many different species and the respect he has for each of them and how he appreciates any form of fishing as long as he's able to get out and do what he loves. And he's passionate about it. Uh, as well as filming and, and editing, which you guys need to check out. So go down below in the description, follow Ben and everything, check out his YouTube channel, his projects he's made. It is high quality stuff. Uh, so much that even Scott Martin wanted to reach out and, and have him work for him. So, Again, go follow them. You guys will not be pissed. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, if you're not already, subscribe to the Agbra Outdoors YouTube channel. And then you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor app, the Angler app, and uh, pretty much any podcast application. So, again, thank you guys for watching for, and for listening. See you guys next time. Hey, guys. I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me you know, pay the bills, which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it,